welcome to another episode of the Grind Line Podcast. This is episode 65, and I am here with Ryan tonight. Tyler's got uh, some prior obligations, but we are happy to be back after taking a little time off. Our primary recording uh, situation has been rocked a bit by uh, Hangouts by Google being taken offline. So uh, we found ourselves a new method. We have actually a little bit of stuff to talk about from the boring off season, but Ryan, how are you doing tonight? Extremely. Other than being extremely bored by the off season, as you just uh, stated, I'm pretty good. Sitting on my uh, my new deck here behind the house. We ordered this thing in April. It was supposed to be done in June, got pushed to July, and finally got done about a week and a half ago. So uh, I can't complain because it's actually beautiful out, not too hot. And yeah, that's about where I'm at. So if you hear and any beer in back- hand. If you hear any background noise, it's the turmoil that's happening near Ryan's home, apparently. So, uh, yeah, I'm about the same. I'm sitting here drinking a beer from the loser bracket so far in our, uh, in our beer bracket, which is actually going pretty well. So if you guys were not aware, we still have the beer bracket going on, the 2019 uh, Grindline official beer bracket, hashtag <laughs> official beer bracket. It is Hashtag down, beer bracket. Yeah, it is down to four breweries. We are down to Bells and Founders, which I guess people people knew those were going to make it to the at least the finals. Mm-hmm. But we've also got Rochester Mills and Griffin Claw. Now, Griffin Claw has actually been pushing pretty hard um, because they would like their Grindline Pale Ale to be our official beer. I wouldn't be mad about it. I wouldn't either. But they've got uh they've got some pushing to do because they gotta take down the Giants now. Yeah, it, it's gonna be it's to no surprise right now with how the votes are looking so far. Yeah, if they um, it, but now if Griffin Claw goes out and puts it out, retweets it out to their base, and Founders or Bells don't retweet don't tweet out to theirs, and they get people to vote, they could take them down. It's all about exposure. They could. It's all about exposure. And we've, I think, the of the four remaining, Griffin Claw has been the most engaging uh, brewery, if you will. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the social media aspect of things, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna stir the pot. <laughs> like now, gonna, like right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna comment on both, on both of these to see who, uh, what, what brewery can put their hand into it. Drum up the most interest. Uh huh. Well, so yeah, <laughs> if you go on search hashtag beer bracket, we're most likely the only people on Twitter with hashtag beer bracket currently. So if you go on there and search that, you can vote in the final two uh, for each conference. And then we will be doing the final final, uh, which I think I'll leave open for probably another four days. But this one's open for another couple days. Go on, vote. Uh, We hope to get an official beer soon. And I hope to be able to talk to the beer companies and say, hey, the fans want you guys to be our official beer. So (laughs) go do that. You're giving me leverage. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And we drink a lot of beer, so it can only help the help the brand. Exactly. Hashtag as Pat brand. McAfee. Yeah, as Pat McAfee always goes for the brand. So there we go. Yeah, and, and uh Bob McKenzie turns into Bobby Margarita. So we want to be yep. able to turn into uh our beer, our official beer during the off season. <laughs> I'll take it. So we have a few things that are actually Red Wings related to talk about. The Red Wings made a, I don't know if you want to call it minor or hiring or average hiring. They made a hiring. I think it's a low-key big deal. To me, it was odd. 
Yes, very. But still, it's probably one of the most important positions you can have for a team, any athletic team. So the Red Wings hired Mike Barwis to work with the team for strength and conditioning. His official title with the Red Wings is, and I just had it up. So his official title with the Red Wings is Director of Human Performance, which sounds like a completely made-up job, but he was the uh, <laughs> former. Uh, he was a strength and development or strength and conditioning uh, guy, at coach at University of Michigan for University of Michigan football. Now mm-hmm. he was not a hockey guy, and I don't see a ton of crossover between sports, but. If he's going to get the dude jacked like football players, I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I mean, we can talk on this as little or as much as you want. But for a team like hockey, you know, the league's getting faster, but yep. they're also getting stronger. Mm-hmm. I feel and with this guy's track record, I'll kind of dive into it here a little bit. From 93 to 07, he was with, with, with West Virginia University. I think that was his alma mater as well all 21 programs there. So he's got a wide range of uh, reach, if you will, when it comes to different types of training programs and what he can actually put out there Uh, from just kind of searching through his website and Twitter. He works with tons of professional athletes within the first month of being at U of M. He completely revamped and built them a $1 million uh, weight room which actually in turn got professional athletes and former pro, uh, Michigan players coming back there for off-season training. I mean, there's names of guys like Dr- Draymond Green. I'm sure that rings a bell for many of you. Brandon Graham, former U of M football player. Larkin. So he's he's got a big clientele, and that's just a couple of the local guys. So I think it's 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 an impressive guy to bring in to try to get this team ready, if you will. Yeah, I I would assume that Larkin as well as Glenn Denning and then whoever Larkin has with him during the summer would be working out at U of M simply yeah. because it's the school that they went to. And you know that U of M's facilities are probably next to none with with how much money they put into them being such a high caliber football school. They, mm-hmm. They've got like premium workout facilities. So it's an it's an interesting. He actually posted a video of Larkin doing one of their workouts. Oh, of course. I mean, he his job is to get the dudes jacked up, and that's I think that's a great job. Yeah, I think that's what he's gonna do, and it'll be interesting to see. I guess this was this was purely an Eiserman hire. Eiserman recruited the guy, has been mm-hmm. talking to him for a while. He probably went to Larkin and said, "Hey, what can you tell me about him?" and I think it'll be an interesting person to bring in. Now, to my knowledge, I don't think it is because they fired someone. I think this is a new position. I don't know. I haven't seen any other than the the scouting staff leaving and some of the management staff, I should say. I have not seen any any other people mentioned as being gone. Yeah, so this is all leading to what a lot of people are calling uh, Iserman's complete revamping of the Detroit Red Wings staff. So the, a lot of people have been saying, well, look for more moves to be coming. Iserman's not done. The staff's going to look a lot different next year. And I think he's going to focus a lot on strength and conditioning. I think you'll see maybe a, a new forwards coach, maybe a new defense coach come in. 
I think he wants to change how the game, how the Red Wings game is played, which is great because if he can get away from dump and chase, and if mm-hmm. he can make the guys bigger and stronger and faster, which you, I guess, you can only do so much in that aspect. Right. It also depends on the individual too. Exactly. But the most he can do, I guess, the more he can do, the better. And I think it starts with with how his players train and then continues into how their game actually works on the ice. Yeah, it all just comes down to what's the tone you want to set for your team. And I think Iserman from day one has made it clear that he's going to be pushing what he wants, and he's already made that statement. And this is, I think, part of that growth of what he wants as to be the Red Wings GM and what he believes the Red Wings should be at. And if you watch their games in general, I'm not saying that they got pushed around a lot, but they're really not a team to be afraid of, if you will. So this leads. No, I mean, granted, it's a little late in the year to really make a difference for an offseason program, but you can still get a lot done in a month and a half. But how that translates to in season and are these guys going to be healthy? I mean, hope you got, you got to think that he's this guy's working with Pete Van Zant on everything else too. So that's going to be critical as the season starts, and then what he can do moving forward. So it's 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 interesting, but still a cool hire to see, I guess. Yeah, I agree. So that's the that's the big Red Wings hire. Another note of something that happened, and I don't think we even talked about this in the NHL recently, is Kevin Shattenkirk signed a deal with the Tampa Bay Lightning for one year, $1.75 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, good for him, good for them. To me, it's not huge because I feel like Shattenkirk has been on a pretty good decline, but he's 30 years old, so I mean, it's kind of expected for his game to drop a little bit off, but he's not hitting those 40-plus-point seasons anymore. Right. But this signing to me is reminiscent of like when the wings were at their peak, when they hit their, they had their record winning season, 95, 96, moving through there. And they just filled a void and filled a need. He's going to be buried on their bottom pair more than likely, but he can still bring you something on the power play. He can still, like you said, he's 30 years old. It's not the end of the world for him. And coming to going from the situation he was was at in New York to in a, a Stanley Cup caliber team, I'm, I I can only see good things. And to me, it's a good signing. I'm glad the Wings didn't bite. I didn't think they would anyways, but uh, I can't really be against this one at all. Now, Kevin Shattenkirk, I always talk about guys that don't look like hockey players. Like if you put a picture of Kevin Shattenkirk in front of me not wearing a jersey and not playing hockey and ask me what his job was, I'd probably say something like, oh, that's an accountant or something like that. <laughs> uh, but uh, the dude's a 30-year-old. He just looks like a regular dude. And, he, I mean, he's not super buff. I mean, he's he's Kevin Shattenkirk. And he used to be great. I mean, he was one of the people that was really su- a surprising defenseman early on when he was playing with the Blues. But his career went down when he went to the Rangers. Mm-hmm. And now we'll see what happens with I, this. It's a prove it contract. He's on oh, a, yeah, absolutely. He's on a prove it contract if he does really well. And I don't think he'll be on Tampa's bottom line, but he'll most likely be. They'll probably work him into a second pairing role in Tampa. 
and and if they get him and he gets 30 plus points for 1.75 million, I you can't be angry at it, but I am also glad that Detroit didn't bite at it because we need to to play our guys like Heronic, we need to play our guys like Chalowski and, and not do the Ken Holland move of signing vets who have underperformed because that's how we got Nielsen. Mhm. And it's also to the Shattenkirk point. I mean, he didn't have a season he had one season below 40 points with St. Louis. Yep. One of, and one of those actually two seasons, I take that back of a, a full true season. One of those seasons was the lockout short season where he had 23 points in 48 games. Which really so doesn't this is, count. No. So he was on pace to again, surpass 40 points that year, more than likely. And then when he got, he got traded to Washington was there for part of the se- part of the season. And then, the last year with the Rangers, he only had 23 points through 46 games, or I'm sorry, in 17, 18. And then last year he had 28 through 73. So you got to wonder for one, I mean, he went from top tier teams to bottom. So that obviously is going to play a huge factor. I don't think there's, I think there's a lot left for him, for him to give. And this one year deal is perfect. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they, in the that, situation that he's in, that's what they're banking on. So, I mean, when you got that forward group, it's hard to say that say otherwise. Yeah. So we're going to move on to the World Junior Summer Showcase, where we have a few Red Wings playing, actually, Red Wings prospects. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll start with the one that maybe all three of us, me, you, and Tyler included, are most excited about as as a sleeper. Uh, who was Otto Kivimaki, who was a seventh round. He was our last pick. In, I believe he was our last pick in the 2018 draft. Mm-hmm. And the kid, I mean, little, he's like a fireball out on the ice. He's everywhere. He slips past everyone. He is on top of the puck constantly for being like five foot nothing. He's battling along the boards. He doesn't get knocked off easily. And he's got two assists in five games with five shots on goal in the uh, in the tournament. There's been a lot of praise for him. I think the quote from Max in his article with the recap on the, the, the summer showcase was that he has turned into Red Wings fans, darling. Um, he is, as you mentioned, a, he's a small guy. He's five foot eight. I don't have the weight, but all I can tell you is that between his coach, Ryan Martin and Max and pretty much anyone else he talked to, the guy needs to gain some weight. I think he's he has 165, whew, but that's 10 which, pounds heavier than his draft year, which is not just over a year ago. So, I mean, you can tell that he's working hard. Ryan Martin had nothing but good things to say about him. He sees, Kevin Maki as a potential high end skill winger. Uh, he's not a shoot first kind of guy, but when he does have the puck, he makes things happen. So, and he was able to show that off, especially on the power play uh, during the junior, the su- summer showcase. Uh, so there's, there's a lot there to be excited about. He still needs to get bigger. I mean, I don't know how much bigger a guy it's five foot eight can really get. I mean, if he puts it up to 175, 180, I think that's your best case scenario pretty much. So if he can do that on top of improving his skill and his shot, I, I think that in two to three years' time, we could see him end up getting that ELC over in Grand Rapids and possibly making a, a run at this roster. Is he going to be playing Would, in Liga next year? 
He's supposed to be in the elite league. Yes. Okay. Yeah. In the if, finish elite. If you get him playing with men on a consistent basis, which I believe he was for a bit last season too. I think at the end of the year is what they said. He he made the jump. Yeah, I think if you get him a full season this season with men, I think he comes into Grand Rapids in the 2020-21 season. No problem. Yeah. I, just with with what I've seen and I've seen him play a couple times and he I should he should be at the prospect tournament uh in Traverse City, so I should be seeing him again at the beginning of September. I mean, there's just nothing to not like about him. He's for where he was drafted. I was kind of, and I, it must've been his size, but I mean, that's a steal. If you, that's a diamond in the rough draft pick and, and praise to Ken Holland for that. If he pans out mm-hmm. and actually eventually makes the team, but I could see him as a, as a middle six guy, no problem with, with the way he's been and with the makeup of our current team. Yeah, as I say, the way the team is starting, to, the potential outlook for 21 season, it, he could fit a, a tremendous role uh, on this roster, especially if he's going to show that talent of passing and puck puck skill. Especially in the power it, play. Yep. He, they haven't really – he hasn't gotten too much praise for his 200-foot game just yet. He's definitely more offensive-focused, but at the same time, you look at his size, you can see why he's a little bit more timid. So hopefully that's something else he continues to work on from what I've been hearing. But with his size, that's the other thing. You can't, you can kind of train speed more to someone who's smaller. So if right now he's skating as fast as Michael Rasmussen, he's got work that he can do to become Mm -hmm. a faster skater because he's smaller and lighter. He can move faster. So his skating might, might be able to be trained a little better than like a Michael Rasmussen or like an Anthony Mantha. But mm-hmm. I, I have I see no downside to the guy, and you took him with a seventh round pick. So I think uh, Max's other other point was that he was he's playing top six. He's playing top six in the tournament. The tournament's over, but yep. he's playing top. He played top six, and mm-hmm. he was uh, on the second power play unit. So if we can get a power play kind of guy out of him, where he's just small and fast and finds open ice and and can shoot or can set up guys that are finding open ice or make room for people. That's, I mean, that's a score. Yeah. I mean, I guess the one thing you could kind of take from that is that if you're trying to compare him to similar players on Detroit of late, you could almost see him fit in the role of a Nyquist, not the biggest guy. He can handle the puck. Well, he's great on the power play and he's going to do what he needs to do to help you score goals. So if that's what he turns out to be, I'll take it. Yeah, so Otto Kevimaki, he's one to keep an eye on. You can keep up with him during the season. You, I would probably use elite prospects for overseas stats. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, just just keep up with him over the season. Find some game replays on. Uh, the Finnish Elite League is actually really good for game replays on YouTube. So you can go find highlights there during the season. The next guy played for Team Sweden was Jesper Eliasson. Uh, he had played four games. He had 48 saves on 58 shots with 4.32 goals against and an 82.8 save percentage, which is not phenomenal. But I also don't think he had a ton of help. No, I think Sweden had a kind of a rough go this this tournament. Yeah, and and it showed. So uh, he is, though, one of the better the better goalies in Sweden's junior league. I said Eliasson is probably right now believe it or not second on our depth chart 
behind Larson. Uh, really? Simply, yeah, simply because of how he's played in actual league play. Like, I don't take a ton away from tournament stuff, but right now I put him ahead of Petrozelli simply because he's had consistent play and been putting up very good numbers uh, in, in his overseas plays where Petrozelli has kind of been tucked away and not played so much. Mm-hmm. So I would probably right now uh, rank it Larson, Eliasson, maybe even Fulcher above Petrozelli. Be, just simply because of the amount of time they've played. Now, Petrozelli's got a big year coming up to prove oh, yeah. what he can do and get that starter role at Quinnipiac. But I think Elias... Did that and, role open up for him? Is that still... is the is the I, I don't know anything about Quinnipiac's goaltending situation, but has, yeah. has anyone graduated or moved on? Uh, both the other goalies were signed by NHL teams. So okay, so he, it's, it's his to lose at this point, pretty exactly. much. Exactly. It's his to lose. But I think I, I would put Eliasson is probably second on our depth chart. It's you, We don't know where Guy Lander is going to be until he moves out of the uh, league that he's in because it's a smaller league. But he's he's played a bit at pro, Eliasson. He spent most of the time in Swedish junior, and he needs to take that step to the men's league mm-hmm. and and excel there to be able to, to keep moving up the ranks. But I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, Ryan Martin seemed to have pretty good impression. He didn't have a whole lot of playing time at the World Juniors, um, this the tournament here, but he knows what he's got going on over in Sweden. He feels that he's ready to take that jump. If he does that this season, I think kind of to your point, that will get him in that spot tentatively, hopefully. Maybe in two years we see him in Grand Rapids. I mean, I think the best case scenario and what they would want the most is that after this year of him actually getting some time at the at the men's league and elite level, that he would make that transition over. So uh, he's one to definitely watch. I, I'm hopeful. And there's a lot of praise, if you will, especially when it comes from the Swedish coaching side of what he can do when he's actually on. So if that can continue, it's this, this is a big year for him. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of shifting in the entire organization's goalie structure within mm-hmm. the next few years. It's going to be pretty fluid simply because we don't have a solid order of secession. Like after Jimmy Howard, it's most likely going to be Larson. It's again, at this point, Larson's job to lose as a starter because we've got Bernier who will probably never be another starting goalie in the, in the NHL. We've got, Calvin, we've got Calvin Pickard, who's a Grand Rapids goalie, to help mentor the prospects that are down there. You've got mm-hmm. Larson, who who's, should hopefully get the starter job for Grand Rapids. You've got Fulcher and Toledo, who when Larson moves up to Detroit, Fulcher will probably most likely move to Grand Rapids. We've got Eliason, who's playing junior overseas. We still own the rights to Joran Van Pottelberg. That's a weird one. That Wow, one. I forgot about him. Yeah, that'll probably never happen. We've got uh, is it Vic is it Victor Bratstrom? We've got mm. Bratstrom. We've we drafted the same year as Eliasson. We just got Carter Guylander. So there's going to be a lot of there will be people not signed first off because you know it's you can't sign everyone. But then you've got some guys that are going to compete for spots. And, and it should be interesting to see what happens. But right now, Eliasson uh, should be loaned to Alm Tuna IS of the Alsvenskan to compete for a spot uh, 
and right now he's i mean the showcase is to kind of show off and hope to earn your spot on the the Mm -hmm. world junior team but we'll see what happens with him next season but he is kind of my my dark horse goalie pick because he's a name that's not brought up very often but he looked good at both uh the prospect tournament this season or not the prospect tournament, but the scrimmage this season, and then he looked uh, pretty good at the scrimmage last season too. What's his size? Uh, he is six foot three, two hundred and nine pounds, and he is nineteen years old. So he's got he's decent size. He's turning. That's pretty much what your average goaltender it seems like is anymore. Yeah, I mean he's a we're he's still on the taller side, which is better. We're getting taller goalies, and that's the that's the good thing. But I mean last. Last season, he had a 2.43 goals against, uh, which was seventh in the league. So, For I the mean, junior? Yeah, if you think about it, Frolunda had the top, Eric Portillo had a 1.99 goals against, which I mean, that's kind of hard to beat. Wow. Yeah. He had, an, uh, he had a 91.9 save percentage, which was fourth in the league. So that's, uh, he's doing well as a 19-year-old in junior league. He's just got to move up to men's. Right. So next we're going to talk about Jonathan Berggren. He's another one we're really excited for. I think that's a bit of an understatement, to be honest. Simply because we've seen what he can do, especially like his first actual gameplay after coming back from back surgery. So he had an assist in three games, two shots on goal. He had a nasty uh, part where he got his pocket picked really, really bad. Uh, ugly i think is the best word for that yeah but i i wouldn't let that single highlight overshadow his entire tournament no yeah he there, there were two two sides of that to that one i remember that getting highlighted in max's article it was one where the coach wasn't happy with him but at the same time he knew the play that he was trying to make so he was still happy with how the what he was trying to do yeah. even though he didn't do it because they're wanting him to be the aggressive risk taker. Mm-hmm. And as, as Max put, uh, maybe not so much at your own blue line to try to do those things because yeah. that turnover led to a beautiful breakaway in goal. Was it Johnson, the least prospect that scored it? I, for the life of me, couldn't remember. I, I know it was a least prospect, but he made a fantastic deke and scored on the backhand, I believe it was. And it was just overall a great play for him, not so much for the Swedes. So maybe Especially try that at the opponent's blue line or in the neutral zone. Yeah. Probably not in the offensive zone. So defensive. Our defensive zone. So he I but in every other thing you've seen, he he looks good and he's in mm-hmm. he, again, he's a little smaller. Uh he's bigger he's bigger than Kevin Maki, but he's a little smaller, but he's just a skilled winger. I mean, really skilled winger. And I've seen him do some stuff where it's just like jaw dropping and granted it's a scrimmage, but just jaw dropping kind of stuff in a, in a scrimmage game. No, that was fantastic. We were sitting next to each other watching the passes that he was making and he acknowledges himself that he is a pass first kind of guy, which sounds like for Ryan Martin and even his coach on the, the junior team for Sweden that they wish he would shoot more. But when the guy has the puck, you just kind of sit back and watch and you're just like, holy shit. Well, that's a pretty consistent theme. You kind of, I think every person we've seen, we're like, wow, I wish they'd shoot the puck more. And it's everyone's pass first. But they, I mean, you can get to shooting. It's not, Mm -hmm. they just tell you, you need to shoot more. So you just go out and shoot more. 
But and it's also something that he personally acknowledged. He he said his, his shot's not the greatest, but he still has it. But he would he prefers to pass. Well, he also said that he needs to get more conditioned since coming back. Yes. So yep. he'll have a really big not quite summer in game condition mode yet. Yeah, yeah, he'll have a big summer workout. But I think the thing with with Berggren is that he's extremely sneaky. Mm-hmm. You don't see him until you see him, and then generally it's a setup in front of the net, or he's he's got the puck and he's he's making a good play to to try and score. But he's very deceptive. He's sneaky, and 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 you don't. He's a guy you don't notice, and for something like that to to not notice him. When you do notice him, it's because he's doing something big. To that point, another thing that Ryan Martin mentioned is that you haven't seen this with too many of the guys of Detroit's prospects, but he's playing a full 200-foot game. And when you got to that point of being sneaky, if he can make something happen in the defensive zone and then he's immediately turning that puck up ice to start something in the offensive zone, that is exactly what needs to be in Detroit. And they need more of it. Larkin is your epitome of that. And then the next person we're going to talk about is number two, but they they just need those playmakers. Yeah, another person that does a lot of the the immediate defense to offense production is Zadina. I've seen yep. Zadina do that several times, where he will get the puck and just immediately start start offense, immediately mm-hmm. go the other way. So we're it's coming into the system with Zadina and Bergeron, but also. Uh, with Joe Valeno, and I will let Ryan talk about Joe Valeno because he could do it for hours. <laughs> I still need to get my Colt of Valeno shirt, by the way. Um, but no, so to go touch on our, the fourth and final prospect that was active in the Junior Summer Showcase, as Greg alluded to, Joe Valeno, he had two goals, one assist for three points in two games played, six shots on goal. What's fun is that both of his goals were on the power play, and they were both absolutely beautiful. He also had, I think his assist was a power play goal as well, was it not a power play assist? I believe so. But either way, the top line of him, Kirby Dak, and I'm going to butcher it, but... Alexi Lafreniere. Lafreniere, there we go. The number one, the current number one rated prospect for the 2020 draft. They looked like men amongst boys, I think you can say, in most of their the games that they played together. The I know that is dominant. Yeah, that's the best word probably to use. But what was really fun to watch with about Valino and to hear the comments made about I'm surprised that he didn't get uh, NHL.com did their top ten standouts from the, the showcase, and he was an honorable mention, which kind of threw me off. Uh, but uh, listen, we'll talk the, about NHL.com in a minute. <laughs> but what was nice to hear is that Martin, he is, you got to think that Valino along with Sedina has to be at the top of the wings front office. Like, Oh shit, these guys are good list because the year he had in, in Drummondville was absolutely incredible. He knows that Valino is wanting to push hard for the Red Wings this year. If he doesn't, we all know that he ends up in Grand Rapids, which isn't also the worst thing in the world. But the biggest thing you took away from Valino at this tournament was the way when he had the puck or didn't have the puck is he you can tell that he is a strong son of a bitch. And that he, when that puck isn't with him, he wants it back and he is going to go through you to get it. And then when he does take it, he's going to outskate you down the ice to try to create a scoring chance. 
and it's one of the things that's most exciting is that other than Larkin, there's not too many guys. And we talk about Zadina, Zadina. I think Valino is really the only other guy we can talk about in that sense where he is going to do it at all ends of the ice. Yeah, and Zadina, it's just, it's fun. Zadina will do it in a little different way, but Valeno is going to be your, your Dylan Larkin jr. For lack of a better term, I guess he's your full. Oh, two, it's, absolutely. He's your 200 foot center. He back checks, he board battles. He is a great setup guy. He can snipe the puck. He's a shooter. I mean, he, he is, and he can go to the front of the net. Yeah, and, and I've seen people project him out as, oh, maybe Valeno. Like, if you get a, a really good center in the next draft, Valeno might be your 3C. But I, I have a hard time seeing Valeno off of a 2C role, depending on how he starts the season. Uh, if he makes Detroit, I mean, that's he's got to blow the doors down. But if he starts in Grand Rapids, there, Grand Rapids, there's no way that during the season he's not getting a call up. He'll, no, yeah. If, he, if he's in Grand Rapids to start the year, especially if he's with Zadina, that's th- that's your top two. Yeah, well, Franz your, Nielsen's going to get some kind of injury and go down, and, and Valeno will be the first one called up. You think he's the first call up? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, unless it's a bottom line winger position, like, so say Glenn Denning goes down, say Glenn Denning's playing center and he goes down with an injury. Well, then maybe Turgeon. they'll call up Turgeon. Yeah. Yeah. But I think if Phil goes down or if Nielsen goes down, I don't see why not call up Valeno. Now, do you push him past that nine games, depending on the injury, or do you have him for that trial like Sedina and then push him back down and then you get a, another filler, a depth center? In? At this person, I'm not worried about it. I'm, I'm going to kill the cicada that's in your yard. But at this, <laughs> at this point, I'm not worried about burning ear of Valeno's ELC just simply because he's so close to the roster that... He- and he's not going to be uh, he, he's exempt from the expansion draft. You read my mind. So it doesn't at this point, it doesn't matter. That's what I was curious. That, that's something we'll have to take a dive into. And uh, for a future episode, try to look at uh, potential exemptions and all that stuff for the upcoming expansion draft. Is that next season? Uh, 20 next summer. No, I think it's the summer after 21. I think so. Okay. Wow. Is it that far away? Yeah. They they announced the team super early. Let's see. I'm really I'm really looking forward to the Kraken as their team name. If it's not, I'm gonna riot. I think it'll be the Totems. Oh God. Yeah, it'll be the 2021 uh, NHL expansion draft. So. Uh, okay. Yeah. But I think, and and you might even see a situation with the Wings where at the trade deadline they try to move someone like Philpola simply to bring Valeno up for the last part of the year if he's not already on the team. You think they would try to move him this this year? They, I, Being on a two-year deal? It depends. Well, so a two-year deal is probably the best the best way to move because he's not locked down. He'd only have the end of the season and a year left. And he's probably and they could only potentially retain. Candidate. Yeah. I mean, if Philpola has a consistent year like he has, I could see your point. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's hard for me to see them actually moving him out. But if they can somehow pull in another second rounder, I mean, they've already this upcoming draft again, they've got deep. They've got five picks in the first three rounds again. Yeah. So we'll see. So that was. Oh, he's got a no trade clause. I take that back. Phil does? Phil has a no trade clause. No way. 
Nemeth has nothing and Picard has nothing. Yeah, Philpola is 35 plus contract and an NTC. I didn't see that anywhere when it, it must not have been announced until later. I guess so. I'm on, I just jumped on the cap friendly because I was curious. Yeah, and when in doubt, jump on the cap friendly. Yeah, absolutely. But it's the best. Uh, I, that is weird to me because I didn't, huh. I didn't see that announced when he was signed that there was a no trade. Has it officially been announced? His sign, yeah, it was announced the day we did, did it. it. Okay. That's what I thought, but did they say what number he's wearing yet? <laughs> no, they're gonna have to fight. Uh, if it's fight to the see, they just have them, him and Nielsen fight to fight the to death. The death, yeah. And then Valino's in. We're good. We solved it. See, <laughs> we have killed one center to be replaced by another. Where when one dies, another rises from its ashes. We should just do that with the entire defense. No, I mean at that point, you just put them on a bus. Say, no, you guys are taking the defense bus, and then just drive <laughs> that bus somewhere else. Oh, the brakes are shot. <laughs> but. Uh, that was that was in a nutshell the Red Wings World Junior Showcase. It kind of sucks because Alec Regula was supposed to play for Team USA, and he's still injured. I think it's his knee. And McIsaac didn't play either. Well, yeah, McIsaac's arm is falling off. So yeah, yeah, McIsaac needs all the recovery time he can get, and he'll try and push probably to make the wings. In uh, well, he'll. He'll be either be in Grand Rapids or pushing for a spot to uh, in Detroit in the 2020-21 season. So, yeah, I see him about a year removed. I think, in to your point, two years he'll be pretty much right there. And there's a lot of hope for him to do. And that's it. He's as we've touched on before. He's definitely an exciting guy to watch moving forward once he gets healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Man, we really don't have a ton to talk about. I remember the Yuri mm. Fisher thing. See, I missed that, and that's how I'm mad because I wanted to watch that because, like, oh, this just came out. We can talk about this, and then I completely forgot about it until you mentioned it right at the start of our, our conversation here. Yeah, Yuri Fisher was uh, on Red and White Authority with Bozo with the our, Clown. And <laughs> our favorite person, Art. I, Jesus, Art Regner, the giant Muppet who just consistently asks the most awkward questions to make the players feel super uncomfortable. And then was this his, did he ask any stupid, awkward things about this, his nuts like he did with Larkin? No, he just, I mean, so he, everyone asks Yuri Fisher about, Oh, how are you feeling since the heart thing? And Yuri Fisher's like, oh, I feel really good. And he's like, well, I always get the smart ass questions where people are like, Oh, they would tell me, Oh, I was at that game. And Yuri Fisher's response is always, Oh, I was too. And uh, they say like, oh, we'll never, I'll never forget that game. And, and Yuri Fisher says, oh, well, I don't even remember it. So I learned uh, a few things from that, that past that first uh, cardiac arrest that he had, he had won the following week and then won the week wow. after that. So he had three cardiac episodes in a month. And really, yep. And he said basically his his motto is that he loves Tuesdays because uh, the game against Nashville, that was a Monday. Uh, the following Monday, he had one. And the Monday <laughs> after that, he had one. So he loves Tuesdays because apparently his heart gives out on Mondays. So, so never ask Yuri Fisher for an autograph or anything on a Monday. Got it. 
Yeah, but then but then Art follows it up with, I was at that game and I won't forget. So it's like, dude, he just told you what he tells people when they say that. Just like, come on, man. Just get with the fucking program. But <sighs> Art the Muppet was talking to Yuri Fisher, and Yuri Fisher was talking about, it was basically about how they go uh, about scouting European leagues and they go about scouting college and the process that they have to follow and everything. And they were talking about Taro Hiroshi, who was at the Red Wings uh, development camp two years ago, who was really impressive. And everyone was saying, well, whoa, man, well, Hiroshi was impressive out there. He looked really good. And then they didn't end up signing him. So people mm-hmm. kind of forgot. So Yuri Fisher was kind of explaining it as they really wanted to sign Hiroshi two years ago. And they would have. Really? Yep. They would have, but Hiroshi wanted to go back to college for a year. So he decided to go back to college. And then he started talking about Nick Jensen, which didn't make sense to me. Um, he said Nick Jensen came in and played, but Nick Jensen was with the Griffins and he was drafted. So I'm not sure what was going on there, but... Uh, Taro Hiroshi would have played with the Red Wings two seasons ago had it not have been for his want to go back to college. And that's what I learned yeah. from that. I'm not sure that was a bad idea by him. No, not at all. I mean, it, it I mean, gave him time to cement his his skills and to, to make him one of the top players in the NCAA. Mm-hmm. And and uh, the other guy was Alex Limoges, who we just had at, de- at development camp this year, who I hope they, they tender an offer to because he looked really awesome. But yeah, the, the Hiroshi point though, that makes a lot more sense as to where, or as to why Detroit was able to sign him so easily. I, I had no idea that was the case that he was there two years ago. So that's, that's a pretty interesting little tidbit because it, it threw me off to see him back at development camp. I mean, I can see why. How many games did he end up playing? Was it ten, right around 10? I think it was 10. 12 games. So I'm assuming that's why they had him go back to development camp this year. But, I, I mean, I saw, was it, a Facebook comment of our favorite group. Oh. They know who, I hope they're listening right now. That uh, if he was at development camp, he's not that good. What the hell? I, I saw that. Maybe it was on Twitter. I, I don't know where it was, but someone made the comment, if he's so good, why is he at development camp? Be- so I was just like, did you watch him play? Because did you watch, Did you look at games? his career? Like- I mean, the more hockey this guy and more exposure this Hiroshi can get to the Red Wings coaching staff and management, the better. I mean, Kuffner was there again. He, was, he played a couple NHL games and was at Grand Rapids, but he was at development camp. So, I mean... Do you want these guys to play? That's one way to do it. So I don't. I, I saw nothing is, wrong with it. It's exposing rookies to the system, and to how and to get them used to it. Yep. And to how things work, and to play with other guys they haven't played with before. It's not because they suck. If they mm-hmm. if, if development camp was about people that sucked, Ablocator and Erickson would be at every single development camp from here to the end of time. Oh God. Because they literally need the most I would development. Want that because that would force me. That forced me to watch them more. I don't even I can take. Yeah. And actually, speaking of Hiroshi, this is the we we didn't. I don't think we touched on the power move that he made. Oh, he changed his number to sixty-seven. Yeah. Just to you know, stick it to the Leafs. (laughs) (laughs) We can only assume it was a stick it to the Leafs because the last time the Leafs won a Stanley Cup was nineteen sixty-seven. So. Uh, Yeah, Hiroshi, I think is gonna he's gonna go down in lore, folklore. 
Red Wings legend right there because of that move. And it's the first Red Wing to ever wear number 67, which actually kind of surprised me. Well, what'll happen is Hiroshi will go on to have a great career and they will retire his number and the Leafs still will not have won a Stanley Cup. So there will be a 67 in two different rafters in the NHL. Uh, one Stanley Cup banner in Toronto and one Red Wings retired jersey in LCA 3.4 or whatever they end up doing. And Mitch Marner's still not signed. Yeah, and Mitch Marner still won't have a contract. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, I think that's going to wrap up our show tonight. Ryan, do you have any final thoughts? I really don't because this sucks. It's it off season. I mean, I will say that I'm really happy to be doing this from my deck right now. I like Tyler's idea. I'm going gonna, gonna to bump this out there. If he's in town early enough, I think the weekend of the home opener, we should have a little soiree on the deck here before beforehand and do a podcast and then go to the game. We should. I think that sounds like a good idea. I think um, the wife would be down. We've got four, we'll, four of us are in our little group, so we can, can get this together bartend? and get the wife. Yeah. Here? Absolutely. She can make us some drinks. Heck yeah. Oh, dude, her margaritas. Whew, fantastic. And they are freshly made. The more I drink, the better I tip, Ryan. Hey, I'll let her know. <laughs> um, we'll make this happen. <laughs> What's your Twitter? So there's my thoughts. <laughs> Twitter handle is rdryan33. My final thoughts is go vote on our beer bracket. We're I'm pulling real hard to try to get us a beer sponsor, which would be sweet. I'm not going to ask a ton of them. I know they can't send me free beer because there's weird Michigan laws about that. But if they can get <sighs> us some cool social media stuff, that would be awesome. If it's Rochester Mills or Griffin Claw, that would be even better because I actually go to their facilities. So, hmm. yeah, there so you go. that would be cool. But go vote. Go to Twitter. Type in hashtag beer bracket. You can go and, and find and vote on our poll. Also, talk to us on Twitter. We are insanely bored. I, I photoshopped Dylan Larkin uh, saving, puppies, saving puppies <laughs> from burning buildings and taking the ring to Mount Doom. So it was, yeah, it was a fun time. We're just insanely bored because nothing's happening. So mm-hmm. uh, yell at us on Twitter, send us questions, give us stuff to talk about. Uh, we're glad to take any of your topics. Uh, we'll shout you out, give you gratification, whatever you want. So you can follow Usually. me. Yeah, you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. You can find our podcast everywhere. Just go to Google and type in the Grindline podcast and all these search results will come up. And you, if there's a platform that we're not on, let us know. And I'll, I guess, persuade the people that own the platform to put us on there. So I actually did that the other day and it was quite the whole page of search results was just stuff that we're on. And it, it actually kind of blew me away. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. So go find us there. Uh, did I say you could follow the Grindline podcast at Grindline Pod? I think so. Yeah. Uh, well, if I didn't, there's that. You can go to our merch shop, <laughs> go to redbubble.com and search the Grindline, or go to redbubble.com slash people slash the Grindline, and we will show up. Uh, our merch store has a ton of stuff. You can get stickers and shower. They have shower curtains now, which are pretty cool. Did and, you order those? You uh, said you were. No, not yet. I want to do the Dylan Larkin Ninja Turtles shower curtain, but <laughs> go there, order our merch. It helps support the podcast and keep the lights on. Uh, other than that, I think we're we're set. So for 
Oh, God damn. What am I? I'm so tired. Uh-oh. Tired or drunk? No, tired. Nah. For Ryan, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.